And now receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Now, normally you would leave, but please don't sit down. I wish you could have seen your faces like, what is she doing? It's been a long morning already. I was headed home. (laughs) This is my favorite benediction or blessing. It means literally saying good things. The Lord is saying good things to us. Telling us that we are valuable in God's eyes. It's a pronouncement of God's love. It's truly a blessing beyond measure. It's not wishful thinking though. It's a present reality for this very moment. I turned the order of worship upside down this morning to focus on God's continual blessing of God's people, not just as we leave and go home. Now, I titled the sermon, The Blessing, although I could have called it, What I Did on My Summer Vacation. Many of you probably remember that first day back at school assignment. But do not fear. I'm not going to bore you with lots of pictures and stories. But I want to take a moment to share my heart sense of God's blessings through unexpected experiences in very surprising places. Now, I believe God is communicating with me all of the time. At least God tries to communicate with me all the time. Okay, God spends a lot of time trying to get my attention. But I seem to most easily recognize God's voice when a series of experiences with a common theme take place. A year ago, such divine communication went something like this. Scott Dean announced that the 2007 Music Ministry Abroad Trip would be to our ministry partnerships in Russia. Hmm. My heart has always been tender to places where people of faith have struggled to remain true to God's claim on their lives, even in the midst of persecution, even if it means death. In Russia, in 1914, there were over 56,000 Orthodox churches. By 1985, thousands of those churches had been destroyed. Only 7,000 remained open. Execution, imprisonment, torture were used to force people of faith to give up their religious convictions. And although in many years some of the churches have been returned... Many were in deteriorated conditions. Several generations have not had the freedom to worship until recently. But you know, religious beliefs and practices did persist. Although mostly in secret, the governments failed to eradicate religion. This is just one of the reasons our Russian ministry partnerships, such as in Kaltushi, Russia, are very critical. Not just 
because we help financially, but because we provide prayer support and personal relationships that are ongoing. These relationships remind our Christian brothers and sisters of the breadth and the depth of God's love and care so that they might be strengthened in their ministries to be the visible face of Jesus through the community of faith, Christ's church. As Scott wrote in the Music Ministry Abroad Worship Bulletin, we pray that our ministry and the talents of composers and lyricists throughout the ages combine in a message of hope and love which will reach the hearts of those people whom God has graciously allowed us to serve. But Russia? I quickly put the idea aside. A week later, a friend gave me a newly published book, The Madonnas of Leningrad by Deborah Dean, daughter of Bev Taylor, member of our congregation. The story is a passionate account of the impact of World War II upon a young Russian woman who was a tour guide at the Hermitage Museum in Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, Russia. The background setting is historically accurate. Did you know that during the first winter that the Nazis lay siege to Leningrad, the Hermitage staff and their families, nearly 200 people, lived in the basement of the museum? Did you know that in the first days of the war, the staff packed and evacuated all the art, over one million objects, but they left empty frames hanging on the walls of the museum in hopes that someday the art would be returned. And though there was nothing left to see, visitors continued to show up at the museum throughout the war. One of the curators would lead the Leningrad visitors through the deserted halls, and it was said he would describe the paintings that once hung in the frames so vividly that people would swear that they had actually seen the paintings. The Hermitage Museum, St. Petersburg, Russia. Now, I'm an avid reader, and I always have several books on my bedside nightstand. And as I added this new novel to the pile, I noticed a half-read book by Henri Nouwen, The Return of the Prodigal Son. In the book, Nowen tells how God, through Rembrandt's painting, impacted the remainder of his life. This particular painting of the prodigal story is one of my all-time favorites. And suddenly, I remembered where it is on display. The Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia. Well, to make a long story short, I had the privilege of participating in the Music Ministry Abroad 2007 trip to Russia and Finland. Now, in case you are wondering, because a lot of people have asked me this question, I did not sing in the choir. God gave me the gift of music appreciation. I went as pastor to the participants and shared chaplain responsibilities with Dick Bloomquist, who I discovered is fondly referred to as Rabbi Bloomquist. I went to Russia to give hope, encouragement, comfort, 
support, and love. And yet in God's economy, I received all those blessings and much more. So much I could share with you. So little time. But one special moment stands out, a moment that has deepened my understanding of the desire of God's heart for God's people. So I invite you to travel with me for just a few minutes. It's a bit of a hike. Actually, it's quite a long one, up many, many, many stairs, through many large rooms filled beyond imagine with thousands of people. And it is very warm. But finally, finally I stand before Rembrandt's painting, the original, the return of the prodigal son. The details, the colors, the emotions, the life, I am overwhelmed and more than a little surprised as tears filled my eyes. There I was surrounded by hundreds of people And it was as if I were alone, but not really alone, just God and me. You know the story, Scott just read it for you, but to see that painting is to be in the story. You have a small copy of the painting included in your worship bulletin. I wanted you to have this so you could both look at it while I'm telling you of my experiences and then to take it home and perhaps as you look at it, you will gain a deeper understanding within your heart of God's great love. The true center of Rembrandt's painting is the Father's hands. All light is concentrated on those hands. Even the eyes of the bystanders are focused on those hands. Forgiveness, reconciliation, healing come together in the Father's hands, in His loving embrace while those hands are around the shoulders of His Son. I cannot take my eyes off of the Father's hands. I cannot take my eyes off God's hands, for we know that these are the hands of God. Luke is relating Jesus' response to the Pharisees and the scribes, those law-keeping police, who were upset that Jesus ate and hung out with sinners. Jesus' life and preaching had one aim, to reveal the unlimited love of God and to show the way to that love in this life, And in the life to come. The prodigal son teaches the truth that every life matters to God. Every single life. God seeks the lost. God seeks the marginalized. God seeks the lonely. Wherever they are found. Perhaps in Russia. Finland. Maybe even Bellevue. God seeks. And then God welcomes the lost. He holds them, he celebrates them, and he blesses them with three promises. Protection, pleasure, peace. Remember, the father sees the son coming home. He's been watching and he's been waiting. 
He knew where his son had been and what he was doing, and yet he still loved him, and he wanted him back. Imagine the boy's fear as he headed home. His actions were the same as wishing his father to die when he asked for his inheritance early. He was afraid, and rightly so, but he found a father who loved him and was waiting to receive him and embrace him, to bless him with the finest cloak, and then to give him the family ring. Now everyone in the village would know that the son once again belonged to this family, and he was protected from punishment, a punishment that would have included stoning because of what he did. All was forgiven. Can you believe it? All was forgiven. Look again at the painting. Look at the Father's hands. Protecting, comforting, healing, blessing. In Scripture, a blessing is a promise of God's abundant protection. All of life is under God's watchful eye. God's watchful care and concern. So we can affirm with the Apostle Paul, nothing, no thing in this life or in the life to come will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God continues to bless us. Do you expect God's face to show anger or disappointment when looking at you? You know, our faces display the thoughts going through our minds. Fear, anger, love, sadness, joy, all show on the face when it is being felt in the heart. I've even been told never to play poker because the words of my cards would be obvious on my face. I wouldn't be able to fool anyone. But can you believe that God would look at you with Pleasure on God's face. Because that's how God thinks of you. That's what God feels about you deep in God's heart. Look at the painting once again. Look at the love expressed on the Father's face. Look at the posture of his body as he reaches and embraces his son. Look at his hands. The tenderness as well as the strength. And then remember his son's behavior. Remember the son's disrespect. Remember his sinful living. And then remember his repentance and his sorrow as he comes home. The father is gracious. He is pleased. A party is given. Not what the son expected. God is gracious. God is pleased. God celebrates each and every life that comes to him, not what we expect. The good news for us today, God's attention is always on each one of us. God always listens, always is with us. 
Now, the next slide that you're going to see is one that I'm only showing because many, many, many of you have said how disappointed you are when I preach and don't show you a recent picture of my grandson, Daniel. So today, I'm going to make up for that. Eight-year-old Daniel. Isn't he cute? That's good. That's good. Wait till I tell him he got applause. He was visiting a few days ago and chattering as an eight-year-old does. And I was reading the paper doing, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, good. And as I continued to read, finally it got quiet. And he came over to me and put his hands on my face and turned my face to him and said, Mom, Mom, listen with your eyes. That's the way God listens to us. God's full attention is on us. No multitasking God answering the phone while continuing at the computer. God is with us. A few weeks ago, I did a memorial service for a dad who had five grown children remaining. And each one wanted to share. And they started out their sharing with the same phrase. I was dad's favorite. What a gift. What a blessing that that father gave those children so that each one knew as they grew up that they were totally, completely loved by their dad. You know, we adults have grown up in a world so full of grades and scores and goals and critiques that consciously or unconsciously we compare ourselves to one another. Constant measuring depletes our energy and it deprives us of peace. What a waste of God's good gift of life. For God, we each are God's favorite. You know, low self-esteem is the black plague of our times. It keeps peace at bay. The anxiety of waiting to fail just overwhelms us. But the truth of God's love is that God does not compare. Never Even though in my head I know that, it still is hard to fully accept in my heart. How can all of God's children be God's favorites and worthy of a celebration? But that's what the scripture tells us. You are God's favorite. Every one of us, no matter what, God feels love towards us. See what love the Father has for us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. What's the benefit of this blessing? It's peace. But not peace that is just an absence of war or conflict, but the peace, the shalom that comes with the assurance that we are in God's hands, and so we have nothing to fear. On Friday, we welcomed a family into the community center for memorial service for their 18-year-old son who had died. The family, the friends that gathered all ages were so saddened and overwhelmed by this untimely death. 
They came seeking some sense of God's love and presence in their lives. How sad when that is not a part of your life. I pray that for all those that attended, they will know that God loves them. God welcomes them home. God is there for them. The blessing given to the Israelites and past generation to generation to us today confirms that God's favor is on us, not because we deserve it, not because we have earned it, not because we are perfect, but because by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This blessing assumes our sin. That God puts his favor on us anyway. Friends, receive God's good benediction. The Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord is kind and gracious to you. The Lord looks upon you with favor and gives you peace. That's his promise. Now and forevermore and all of God's people said Amen